All right, it's the Keefe to the City Yankees podcast, and the Yankees lose 3 to nothing to the Blue Jays on Monday night at the stadium. Uh, two losses now in a row, and Monday's was frustrating, annoying, disappointing, but not the same kind of frustrating, annoying, and disappointing that we got on Sunday night when they left 13 base runners on and lost to the Red Sox 4-3 to in what was more than a winnable game, a game that they should have won. Monday night was more of a frustrating, the Monday game against the Blue Jays was more of frustrating and disappointing because it's what we've seen from this Yankees team now, what we saw last year, what we've seen for a few seasons, and it's not surprising. It's not surprising because they brought back the same fucking lineup plus Josh Donaldson. And when Josh Donaldson doesn't play like he didn't on Monday, you have the same lineup that you've seen in recent seasons. LeMahieu, Rizzo, Judge, Stanton, Gallo, Torres, Higashioka, Hicks, and fucking Marwin Gonzalez, who's awful, <laughs> doesn't belong on this team, but he had a nice spring training, which erased the fact that he played himself out of the major leagues at points last year, uh, and that the fact that he just hasn't been good for a while now, since the trash can banging days when he led the Astros in um, hearing bangs on the trash can. So Donaldson didn't play because he needs the fucking day off for some reason. I get it. He's been injured the last few years. They don't fucking trade for the guy if you can't, if you can't be playing game four of the season. The same way LeMahieu didn't play Game 3, the Yankees have already started their unnecessary rest, load management bullshit. And the lineup you saw on opening day is the Yankees' best possible lineup. I mean, you could rearrange it a little so that Torres is in over Hicks, but they're interchangeable. They both fucking suck. So what you saw on opening day, you're not really going to see that often. Because they're going to go through the entire lineup giving every guy a day off. So it's like LeMahieu was Sunday, Donaldson was Monday, who knows, Rizzo could be Tuesday, um, Judge could be Wednesday, and so on. And then you'll get eventually back to what you saw on opening day, which will take about 9 to 10 days. So at that rate, you'll see the opening day lineup three times a month. <laughs> that's that's not a joke. That's how the Yankees have set this up, to give everyone the guy, every guy a day off. And if you listen to Yes on, on Monday night, Michael Kay opining about the fact that the Yankees have so many guys. They have too many guys for not enough spots. But they don't have good guys for not enough spots. It, you could talk about the fact that they have nine guys for eight spots, but they don't really. They have more like seven guys for eight spots or even six guys for eight spots. They have a lot of shitty guys that they're trying to force into the lineup, and they're doing a great job at it. You look at the Blue Jays, Springer, Bichette, Guerrero, Hernandez, Chapman, Guriel. None of those six have gotten a day off so far. None of them. And the Blue Jays are 3-1. and one. That's the difference. They're playing every fucking day to fucking win. Because the tiebreaker game is gone. There will be no more game 163 if there is a tie in the standings for a postseason spot or no postseason spot. They will go down to head-to-head -head record and other tie-breaking methods. There will be no more games. So the Yankees need to win head-to-head -head games against teams like the Red Sox, which they did over the weekend, 2 out of 3, but should have been 3 out of 3, and the Blue Jays. And no, you're not going to beat the Red Sox and the Blue Jays every single time. But what we've seen out of the Yankees against the Blue Jays this year and last year and part of 2020 is that they just can't beat them. They're now 2-9 and nine against the Blue Jays in the last 11 games at Yankee Stadium. There was a time when this team couldn't lose to the Blue Jays organization at Yankee Stadium. Now they just roll over and fucking lose. Like they did on Monday against Alec Manoa, who dominates the Yankees. He came up last year, Major League debut, Yankee Stadium, six hits, 
uh, six innings, two hits, just completely shuts them out. And there used to be the adage that Yankee Stadium was off limits to guys making their major league debut on the mound because it was so intimidating. The Yankees lineup was intimidating. The stadium, its fans were intimidating. That's no longer a fucking thing. Alec Manoa shows up as a kid last year, shuts him down, comes back uh, Monday night, shuts him down. It fucking doesn't matter. And it's obvious, and you knew it was going to happen because it's the same team. It's the same team plus Josh Donaldson. And he didn't play, so you have the same team. So fans that want to say, oh, it's the fourth game of the season. Oh, it's April. Were you the fans saying that last year too? Probably. You were probably the fans listening to Aaron Boone tell you that the team was going to get on a roll and they were going to turn the page and this and that and this and that until they fucking never did. Got into the postseason on the last pitch of the regular season and had their postseason, which isn't even really the fucking postseason playing in the wildcard game, last nine innings. And it didn't even really last nine innings because it was over the fourth batter, the bottom of the first, before the second commercial break because Garrett Cole stunk. So don't tell me it's early. And don't tell me it's early April and that it's the fourth game of the season. It's fucking not. It's a continuation of last season that just had a break for a few months in between. Because these Yankees are no different. They're no different at all. They're horrible at situational hitting. Leave the bases loaded every single game, and sometimes multiple times a game. Can't get runners in from third with less than an out. Can't get a leadoff guy to fucking score ever. Can sometimes not even move the leadoff guy to second in an inning. It's just so painful to watch. And now this team scored 13 runs in four games, shut out in one of them, and out of the 13 runs in four games, eight have come via the home run, and two came because of a fucking automatic runner. They didn't even earn their way on second base. So three of the Yankees' 13 runs have come from just base hits, and that's the difference. Because when this team doesn't hit home runs like they haven't been, they don't fucking win. They don't win because they can't just go out and, you know, get a leadoff walk, hit a double, score the guy, move that runner over to third, get that guy in using outs. They don't have productive outs. They don't. It's so frustrating and painful to watch. It's like you know what's going to happen. You're just hoping that at some point someone's going to run into one because that's their only fucking chance. And the only guys been running into them are Rizzo and Stanton. And when they're not, no one else is. Judge, four games into the season, doesn't have an RBI. So he obviously then doesn't have a home run. And yes, it's four games and he could hit four over the next four days. But to this point, he hasn't. And for a guy who turned down $30.5 million a year for seven years, not off to the fucking best start, Judge. Every dime he has a bad stretch like he's had here these four games with no power, no production. It's shipping away dollars from that extension that he turned down because that number was there. That number might not be there at the end of the season. Joey Gallo had a couple hits, and he's had pretty good at-bats. I mean, when he strikes out, it's bad. It looks bad. It looks just like when Stanton's bad. But he was productive on Monday night. Hicks, yeah, you got to hit. Hicks is, <laughs> I can't watch Hicks, Torres. Oh, my gosh. And then you have Kyle Gashioka, who's now 1 for 11. But if you listen to Aaron Boone speak about him in the in the postgame press conference, he, he, he has to find, oh, Higgy hit this ball, he hit this ball, he hit this ball, but the results aren't there. And, no, Higashioka is not out there hitting 115-mile-an-hour lineouts to right at fielder's gloves. <laughs> His one hit was a 73 hopper up the fucking middle. 
And aside from that, he's been who Kyle Gashiok is, a horrible offensive player and a marginal defensive player. And yes, he's great at pitch framing. But then the rest of the game behind the plate, you're not very good at. And you're seeing that. You're seeing what you get when Kyle Gashioka plays every day or nearly every day. And we saw that at times when Gary Sanchez was here because there were times when they bent Sanchez and play Gashioka and over extended time, he stunk. Like we saw midsummer last year when Gary inexplicably lost his job to him, came back, was the three-hitter, then got COVID, had to go down, and then Gashioka played and was fucking horrible. That didn't stop them from starting Gashioka in the one-game playoff because Cole was starting. But Gashioka, like... He needs to be pinch hit for every fucking game. In the late innings, he always is coming out. And on Monday night, he should have fucking been out. Because the Yankees got the first two runners on. And then Donaldson could come off the bench to pinch hit for Agashioka. And Rogers doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. Walking guys, giving up hits, clearly rattled. But instead, Boone lets Agashioka hit, who doesn't do anything. And then he goes to Donaldson when the Blue Jays can then make a bullpen change after the three batter minimum. So what all the great things I said about Boone from Friday's lineup and, and Saturday, they're erased. They're erased. See, LeMahieu's day off, Donaldson's day off, doesn't know what the fuck he's doing with pinch hitters late. He's just back there in Boone. It was just a two-day anomaly that happened to be on the first two days of the season. But what we saw over the last two days was just more Aaron Boone. What's going on the fifth season of nonsensical decisions. And then Jamison Tyon on the mound. Yeah, he was good for five innings, but he gave up the two-run home run. That was the difference. And it's tough to pin the game on him because the Yankees didn't score. But then you hear Aaron Boone talk about, oh, the one mistake. Yeah, it's the one mistake. You can't fucking make mistakes. You can't throw pitches down the fucking middle-middle to George Springer or they end up in the fucking left-field seats. But I'm not here to get on Tyon five innings, <laughs> the best Yankee start of the season so far, two runs. The Yankees' offense needs to be able to score. Can't get shut out. And remember that shutout, shutout the streak they had a few years ago where they couldn't get shut out, even if they looked like it, they'd hit a solo home run in the ninth. That's gone. They're ready to have a zero on the board, fourth game of the year. And this series is so important. These four games against the Blue Jays are so important because that's the best team in the AL East. That's the team you're going to need to play well against to win the AL East, to potentially get a bye to the ALDS so you don't have to play some gimmicky nonsense best of three which I don't think the Yankees care. They just want to be a top six team. If they get in, they have to play a best of three. They don't give a shit. Cause the, and then they'll just get bounced in the first round and talk about how the postseason is a crapshoot. They didn't care about playing in the one-game playoff all these times, which they played in 15 and 17 and 18 and 21. And they won't care about having to play a best of three on the road all three games. They don't care. Just get in, they think. I don't know. It, it's, it's so tough to watch this team at times. And it was... So tough to watch them piss away the game on Sunday and then do the same thing again on Monday. And 13 base runners left on Sunday, 8 on Monday, 21 over the last two nights. Oof. It's, it's, it's really bad. It's bad. And now they've got Nestor Cortez, the number 5, going on Tuesday. Don't know what you're going to get out of him. Thankfully, the bullpen is, is rested and they have 16 arms down there and they're all good arms. So I'm not worried from that sense. I'm worried about the offense. And I do feel like you may see the opening day lineup tonight because the loss on Sunday was really bad. Monday you got shut out as embarrassment. You're going to start to feel it. You know, if you're booing, you're going to start to feel the urgency to win. So maybe he comes back and gives us what he gave us on opening day. And why is Judge now third and Rizzo second? Fucking put him back the way it was. Put it back. 
If it's not broke, don't fix it. Boone. But Boone goes around breaking everything that doesn't need to be broken, and then he can't fix it. So put it back. Put Donaldson in. Judge second. Rizzo third. Staten fourth. LeMahieu fifth. Gallo sixth. And go from there. Seven, eight, nine. Doesn't matter who the fuck you play. It's three automatic outs anyway. Whether it's Hicks, Torres, Agashioka, or Kiner Falefa's in there, it doesn't matter. It's a it's a miracle if you get anything from the bottom third of the order. So put the opening day lineup back out there and go win a fucking game at home against the Blue Jays. That's what you need to do on Tuesday night. And Cam Lewis of Jays Nation joined me to talk about the Blue Jays. As Blue Jays fans, the excitement, the hype, the anticipation of having a team that's expected the odds-on favorite to win the American League and get back to the World Series since the early 90s. Talk to me about that. Talk to me about everything Blue Jays. So let's get to it. All right, and joining me today to talk about the Blue Jays is Cam Lewis of Jays Nation, who we talk to seemingly every time the Yankees play the Blue Jays. Cam, how's it going today? I'm doing pretty good. That was a it was a fun weekend. It was an exciting one. It kind of <laughs> it it felt like we picked up right where we left off in October, and there was no off season, and we're already into crunch time. It, it does not, based on the way those games went, it does not feel like it's April at all. Yeah, and for for the Yankees and Yankees fans, I was watching obviously Yankees Red Sox on Friday. I you know have the other games pulled up. I check. I see the Blue Jays are getting their asses kicked seven nothing. I'm laughing. <laughs> About an hour later, they're fucking winning. What a what a turn of events there. And uh, for the Blue Jays, they're the odds on favorite to win the American League. They're a team that I told you all last season I thought was the best team in the American League. They didn't make the postseason by a single game um, after they sort of fell apart there down the stretch. But what we talked about so many times last season is sort of what's come to fruition this season. They're realizing their potential, and they've realized it over the first weekend. But I will say one thing. For as scary as that lineup is, that starting pitching is, is just as scary, I think, for your end. Yeah, it definitely is. That's kind of the thing is everyone knows the lineup's going to be good. There's, you know, elite hitters at the top. Bo, Vladdy, Teoscar Hernandez, George Springer, and Matt Chapman's like your number six or seven batter. It's a ridiculous lineup, probably at least as good, if not better, than last year. And the pitching, the starting pitching should be good. You look at it and there's some actual names here. I mean, like, we came into last season and threw TJ Zoic out to face the Yankees in the third game of the year, and that was kind of embarrassing. Whereas this year we have, you know, Kevin Gosman's in the mix. We have a whole, full year of Jose Barrios. Alec Manoa solidified himself as a legitimate starter. Um, but still, it's just there's a there isn't really a real ace there. There isn't, you know, you guys have Garrett Cole, and you're pretty cozy throwing him out there. With us, it's like who's the one guy you're going to throw out here and you, you really feel like you're going to get a win? It feels like you have a whole bunch of number twos and threes, and then you also have some guys who get smacked around a bit. Like we saw Hyunjin Ryu on Sunday, the wheels just came off and he got lit up, and that's the reality for the Jays this year is they're going to have to score a lot of runs, but I'm pretty confident in their ability to do so, and I think the starters will get better as time goes along. Yeah, and certainly it's a weird start to the season because of how short spring training was. So it seems like across the board throughout the league, every starter was going three, four innings. You got the rare like six-inning performance, which for what's been going on in the first few days of the season, that seems like a complete game from a starter. For the Jays, to give Barrios all that money, to sign Gossman, obviously Ryu was already under contract, to not sign Robbie Ray... You know, he didn't, you know, put the fear into me that some other starters in the league do just because he's a lefty against a right-handed heavy Yankees lineup. But 
the guy won the Cy Young. He had the best year of his career. I know he's sort of been sporadic year to year in his career, but what the fuck are they doing? Why why didn't they sign Robbie Ray? It was a it was a little bit of a surprise to see him go, but it wasn't a huge surprise. It always kind of seemed like Toronto's offseason was going to be all right. We had two 30-year-olds put together huge seasons. Let's qualify them, get some draft picks, let them walk and replace them with other guys that don't require draft picks. So Gosman didn't require a draft pick because San Francisco qualified him the previous offseason. And then they traded for Matt Chapman. They traded to Oakland a whole bunch of 40-man roster fodder. It was like the Josh Donaldson trade all over again. But the speculation with the Robbie Ray thing, and there isn't, it's 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 not 100% certain if this is what happened, but he, uh, the reality is he wasn't going to be able to come back to Toronto no matter what because of his vaccine status. Um, that's the rumor. I, I won't say definitively if that's true or not, but the reality was it, it seems like that was the case. So it was, it might've just never been an option for the Jays to bring him back, which was unfortunate because he was unbelievably good last year. He was the guy who, when you needed a start, that's who you wanted out there. It was either him or Alec Manoa and, now it doesn't feel necessarily like as much as I like Gosman and as much as I like Barrios, they don't they don't have the same kind of I, I don't know if they have the same the same ace feel that Robbie Ray did last year. It, it, that sounds weird to say because you don't think of Robbie Ray an ace, but yeah. his stuff was so nasty. He was striking everybody out, and he just had these huge games. So we'll see as time goes along. Maybe somebody will step up, but the Jays will most certainly miss Robbie Ray. It's kind of just unfortunate the way it planned, the way it panned out. Yeah, and I, I saw him pitch in person in his best season with the Diamondbacks at Dodger Stadium when he was filthy, and then he had a few down years. And I remember a few trade deadlines ago, the Yankees were thinking about trading for him it was either 18 or 19 and and i was like i don't want fucking robbie ray on the yankees um but then you then you see what he can do when he puts it all together now he did have a great opening day start for the mariners but there is some concern there and i get maybe why the blue jays passed on him uh because you just don't know what you're gonna get he could be the guy that goes out there and you know walks five per nine this year who knows uh but alec manoa i mean that guy's fucking great and i remember his debut against the yankees He's a guy that's that scares great. the shit out of me, and he'll pitch on Monday night in the Bronx, and that's a guy, I don't know what the what the sports gambling rules and regulations are in Canada, but to see the Blue Jays as an underdog on Monday night with Alec Manoa going, I, I'm not betting, obviously, against the Yankees as a Yankees fan, but if you aren't a Yankees fan, you could, that's a great value to make a lot of money on Monday night. Oh, yeah, 100%. I... Uh... I was just writing a preview for Blue Jays Nation for this series and going through who he's pitching, and I said, he's their number four starter technically, but there's literally nobody on this rotation that I'd feel more comfortable with in a big game than Alec Manoa. Like like you said, his, his debut last year as a rookie is at Yankee Stadium. He comes out, and he throws six clean innings, allows two hits and two walks. And it was he was just nails. Like, yeah. just, just wasn't intimidated at all by Yankee Stadium like so many pitchers are. You know, the lineup's heavy, the fans are intimidating, especially at the beginning of the year when it's a bit chilly out, too. It's just, it's an intimidating vibe, but then Manoa just came in and said, you know, fuck it, and just, just mowed guys down, and that's pretty much what he did all last year. And I think when it's all said and done by the end of the year, he's probably their number one starter. I think I think we're referring to him as the ace yeah, by September. Yeah, I, I think when I saw him make that debut last year, I, I was thinking that as, as early as last year. And then a guy we talked about a lot last year, and you had mentioned a bunch of times came up, you know, to middling results, but is, is Nate Pearson, what's the, what's the deal with him? So the, the thing with Nate Pearson is he, he was dealing with injuries last year. He got injured in spring training. Um, he uh, had a setback. 
came back, got injured again, and then wound up just in the bullpen because he was it was halfway through the season already and they couldn't stretch him out. And he was pretty good as a reliever down the stretch. And then it kind of seemed like, okay, this guy's 26 years old now. He's probably never going to be a starter. He can't stay healthy. He's, you know, thrown 190 innings once ever. Yeah. And everything else is, you know, under 100 innings. So let's just let's just make him a reliever. He can do maybe two innings at a time, that kind of thing. And he had a couple of good goes in spring training, and then he's contracted mono. Okay. So, so he's out. Yeah. He's going to be out for, yeah, probably a couple months. The word is right now he's just starting from scratch, basically, at the beginning of spring training down in Florida. Yeah, because he, I mean, I was watching Yankees Blue Jays spring training very recently, and he was pitching, like, right at the end of spring training. So this is this yep. is sort of a new thing. Well, yeah, it just happened right at the end. So for the Blue Jays, as a Yankees fan, obviously the lineup scares you. The best thing that the Blue Jays did this offseason for Yankees fans was move on from <laughs> Randall Grichuk. The the guy destroys the Yankees to not see him uh, these, these next four nights at Yankee Stadium. That's that's a beautiful thing. Yeah, that's... that's... <laughs> Randall, um, the thing with him is he would uh, he would always go nuclear in April, put up amazing numbers, and then just completely cool off. But there was two teams all year that he always fucked up, and it was always the Yankees, and it was always the Baltimore Orioles. And <laughs> all of his home runs, all of his big numbers came against those two teams or in April, and then the rest of the year it was nothing. <laughs> so it's going to be a shame in these 19 games where we don't have Randall Grichuk, but... I just hope somebody else can turn into a Yankee killer this year. Somebody random. I think maybe like a Santiago Espinal or a Danny Jansen. Just oh, some, Danny some Jansen. He's the guy. He's lower... the new guy I have my eye on. Because he's done well against the Yankees. I mean, the Yankees always yes. have a problem with Blue Jays catchers and getting him out and stuff. But, um, I mean, Danny Jansen's already got two home runs on the season in three games. So, yeah, he's a guy that I could see him, you know, four games at the stadium this week, couple homers, like four doubles, like a 700 on base percentage, something crazy like that. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that'd be perfect. It was the same thing. I remember back in 2015 when there was the tight playoff race and the Jays won the division. It was Russell Martin that always came up with huge hits against the Yankees. Yeah. So it would make sense for Danny Jansen, another catcher, to pop a few big dingers against New York. When Russell Martin was on the Yankees, he had a lot of big hits for them, too, especially in the in the 2012 so ALDS. He was a guy, you know, his numbers always weren't very good outside of, like, when he was on the Dodgers and some time with the Pirates. But... For the most part, he stunk, but he'd come up, you know, second and third, two outs, big spot, drive both runs in. So he was always good for that. And yeah, when he came back, he was, he's the part of the uh, the curse of ex-Yankees. Whenever they come back, they seem to shove it up their ass, just like Nathan Evaldi's done ever since uh, he joined the Red Sox. But the lineup is silly. You've got Vlad, you've got Bo Bichette, George Springer, like you said, uh, <clears throat> uh, with Matt Chapman in the, you know, basically the bottom third and... You're looking for him to bounce back from what he sort of has gone through the last couple of years there in, in Oakland and downswing on his career. Uh, but there's no really holes. There's no really holes. The only thing you'd say is, once again, very right-handed heavy. Yeah, it's really right-handed heavy. There's, like, the reason they made the Gritchuk trade was to get uh, Tapio from Colorado, who adds a different element to the lineup. He's really fast. He's left-handed. And there's Kevin Biggio, also left-handed, but... I mean, we saw Kevin Biggio look quite good in his first two seasons in the league, but it seems like uh, starting pitchers have kind of caught up to him and figured out this guy cannot hit high heat and they yeah. throw him high heat and there's nothing he can do with it so that's one thing the Jays are really going to need it's what we're all looking for in the offseason there was talk that Jose Ramirez they might pull the trigger on a huge trade and that could be their lefty bat to switch hitter but the Jays really badly need 
a big lefty bat because they simply do not have one right now. Yeah, that was scary seeing uh, those rumors uh, post-lockout of Jose Ramirez <laughs> going to the Blue Jays. I was like, that that cannot happen. But hey, Kevin Biggio is weird because, like you said, he came in the league. He was him and Bo Bichette. It seemed like you'd see the, those two for the next you know 10 to 15 years. But um, maybe Kevin Biggio kind of sucks. I don't know. <laughs> that was the word. There was It was Keith Law who... Did a uh, so Kevin Biggio won game in his rookie season 2019. He came up and hit for the cycle, and everybody was really excited. It was like, wow, this guy, it's Bo Vlad and Kevin Biggio, the big three guys. And then Keith Law said, no, this guy can't hit high heat at all. You guys are really overhyping this guy. He's at best a bench guy, and Blue Jays fans lost their mind. They were like, fuck <laughs> Keith Law. This guy hates the Jays. Like, blah, blah, blah. He's bitter. He's mad. And it turns out he was probably right. Like, I think realistically, Biggio's on a good team. He's probably a bench guy. He comes in, he plays, you know, seven different positions. He can take a walk. He can lay down a bunt. That's kind of what he does. I just, I don't think he's the everyday second baseman we hoped he was back in 2019. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> well, not unfortunate for us, but uh, for for the Blue Jays bullpen, you know, not not the Yankees bullpen, that's for sure, but it's okay. It's 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 improved over the last couple of years. Um, is that a is that a strong point would you say or, or a weakness that worries you? I think quite honestly, like I a lot of people say, oh geez, the bullpen's this big uh, this big area of worry. But I don't think the bullpen's that bad. I think the key for the Jays is if they can remain healthy, and that's such a big if. Uh, it can be quite good. Like over over this weekend against Texas, the Jays allowed a million runs. A lot of them were the starting pitchers, but. The pitchers who did well were the relievers who you care about seeing doing well. Jordan Romano, Tim Meza, Jimmy Garcia, Adam Simber, you know, names like that. There's a lot more depth now than there was. Like you said, it's not the Yankees' bullpen. There's no Aroldis Chapman back there. There's no, you know, the Yankees have seven guys who throw 100 miles an hour and it's nuts. Whereas the Jays, you know, it's, it's not the same depth, but there's still like a good ninth eighth seventh inning there there's a solution there it's not like we're it's not like last april where they're just throwing random names out there joel payamps anthony castro guys like that that were coming into high leverage now there's now there's actually a plan there's at least five guys that you trust to clear through an inning which is which is a positive this week, I think I really want to see Yimmy Garcia because I, I feel very confident. My wife's a Dodgers fan, so I've seen a lot of Yimmy Garcia over the years. That's the guy. He comes in. I'm feeling I'm feeling confident about the Yankees' chances <laughs> this week. But David Phelps, I mean, there's an ex-Yankee who will probably pitch outstandingly however many appearances he gets these next four days. Um, Rush Stripling back in the bullpen. Um, he's a guy who, you know, he can – pick up starts here and there but what's your thoughts on him i know uh you know coming over a couple of years ago via trade he's he's not been you know maybe necessarily as good as he was at his height with the dodgers he's been all over the grid it's been really weird he came in in 2020 and the jays paid like a pretty high high price to acquire ross tripling they gave up a prospect who they had just drafted in the second round who out of high school who was highly touted and they gave up another position player a prospect who had some really good numbers in uh in the low minors so yeah, it was kind of an interesting one. He struggled in his first year, and then last year he made a adjustment to the way he was winding up, and he brought his glove closer to his body and rattled off like six, seven very good starts. And it was huge for a time for the Jays. This was before the Barrios trade, and they had a whole bunch of starters injured at the same time, and Stripling was coming through. But then down the stretch, he started getting lit up again. Now he's in the bullpen again because they have five actual starters, and he pitched twice over the weekend. He was he looked good in his in his appearance on Friday when he only had to throw one inning. 
but when they were expecting him on Sunday to throw multiple innings, he just looked gassed. Yeah. So I think the best thing with Stripling is if he's just a one-inning reliever, he can be actually quite good. I think they should probably move away from the, the multiple innings or the starts at this point. That's fair. Well, for the Blue Jays, like I said, odds on favorite to, to win the American League. Um, it seems like you were pretty down on them last year. I know they ended up winning 91 games. They missed the playoffs by one game, last day of the season type stuff. Are you, how, what is your feeling going into this year? Not what you've seen necessarily the first three days, but prior to the first pitch of the season. Are you thinking this is the best team in the American League? Are you thinking they're winning the East? What what do you think about their you know projection for the season? And what would you consider to be success for the season? Uh, the success for the season would be getting into the playoffs and winning a round. I think finishing sixth in the American League and losing in the first round would, would not be a win for the Jays, given where they are right now. Uh, you want to see an improvement on 91 wins. I mean, one thing that we've all told ourselves as Jays fans is, wow, they won 91 games last year, despite the fact they only played like 23 times in Toronto. They played a bunch of games in right. Dunedin and a bunch of Buffalo, and they were living out of a suitcase for multiple months. That sucked. So now they're back 81 games in Toronto, so there's no excuse anymore. Uh, I don't know if I agree they're the odds-on favorite in the American League. I think there's still a lot of good teams. I think the Yankees are good. Their pitching's very good. The lineup's pretty scary if it's healthy. I think the Rays are also really good, too. Like, everyone's kind of like, oh, geez, like, the Rays lost so-and-so. They traded these guys away. They're not that good. But they also now have a full season of Wander Franco. Right. And, you know, that's going to be huge. They have a star player, finally, for the first time in years. And they have all this pitching depth. If anybody gets hurt, they have yeah. 13 the Rays, guys in the minors. With the Rays, it's like every whenever they make a yeah. trade for a household name, people are like, what, are, what the fuck are the Rays doing? They, it never comes back to bite them. They always no. make the right decision. Yeah, every time. they they You see they've traded away a guy. You're like, oh, they traded away Austin Meadows. Oh, that guy was good. And then you look at who they got back, and you're like, oh, yeah. man. They, like, they get three they guys who help four guys. For, eight, for seven years, and Austin Meadows will have like a 650 OPS. It's like it always works out in their favor. It always does. So I, I would never count out the Rays. If the Jays finished, I, I think the one team who I really thought were frauds last year are the Red Sox. They are. Like, they're they not going anywhere. Hot. They're, they're an 80 no. low to mid-80 win team at the best, I yeah. feel like. They could squeeze in because there's six teams now. That's right. you know it's possible, but I think they're the fourth team in the American League. I think it goes Tampa number one, either Toronto or New York number two and three. It's interchangeable in my mind, depending on health. And the Red Sox are four, and the Orioles are all obviously. So you got Tampa that's, ahead that's of the Blue Jays. I do, yeah. I, I, I've, I'm so, so scared of the Rays. That's just where I'm at by now in my life. Like, I'm never <laughs> going to count them out. I'm just going to say, look, this is the best team in the American League. That's just the way it is. Yeah, that's, that's, I mean, that's the life we live. That's the, it's not a bad way to go about it because they... I'm not going to kid myself. Even in a bad year at this point, you know, they're still going to be there. Just because, like you said, six teams are in and just because they always seem to make the right and smart decision. Um, for me... Obviously, I, I felt the Jays were better than the Yankees last year, so of course I feel like it this year. But I don't think the margin is necessarily as big as people think. I, it seems like the consensus no. is, oh, the Blue Jays are the best team in the American League. They're the best team, obviously, then in the American League East. Um, I think it's sort of, to me, whichever between the Yankees and the Blue Jays, like you said, stays healthy. I think that's who could win the division. Yankees have had health issues now for like going on five years. And then the other thing is, who plays better against the Orioles? Because last year, the Yankees finished with the same record as the Red Sox. The Red Sox went 17-2 and against the Orioles. The Yankees, I think, uh, won 12 games against the Orioles. That ended up being the difference. So 
the Rays, they went to Baltimore. They played them this past weekend. They swept them. Like, that's – they've already got the leg up because, like, the Yankees and Red Sox just beat up on each other over the weekend. Now the Yankees and Blue Jays are going to beat up on each other this week. And whoever's getting the Orioles on those, on those other days, I think that's really the difference. Yeah, so much of the Yankees and the and the Blue Jays, and I agree with you. I think they're they're pretty much in the same category as they're they're good teams. With they're good for different reasons, I think. But they're you know they're they're two good teams. The, the Jays went eleven and eight against the Yanks last year, and still that wasn't enough to hop over because they did terribly against the Rays and terribly against the Red Sox, and not good enough against the Orioles, like you said. So in order for the Jays to finish ahead of the Yanks, I mean it seems obvious. It's not groundbreaking analysis. They have to win the season series, and it. It already feels like it's fucking. It's April 11th, and this feels like a game in August. Yeah, I hope. Like, I hope Aaron. It Boone feels like it feels it, like yeah. these matter so much. I hope Aaron Boone treats it that way because he he'll probably sit like three. He'll probably sit Donaldson and Judge tonight or something <laughs> dumb. Um, and, and yeah, there's no more tiebreaker games to get in the postseason. So head to head is a huge fucking deal. It could be the difference between getting in or not getting in. There's not going to be a game 163 to decide it. Um, and then, you know, for Josh Donaldson, a guy who scared the shit out of me for years on the Blue Jays when he was in his prime MVP winner, you know, the the best hitter in those ALCS Blue Jay teams. Now to see him on the Yankees, clean shaven, you know, looking back at, at what he did with the Blue Jays, and now you have to watch that. What, what's that feel like to you? Oh, it's always weird, but we're used to it by now. I mean, like, we've seen so many guys just, like, have a random a random late career appearance with the Yankees. It's an inevit- Vernon, inevitable. Vernon like, Wells. Everyone- yeah, Vernon Wells, Lyle Overbay. Like, yeah, it's Lyle. like, that was weird. And then any anybody's favorite player makes a stop. Like, Ichiro played for the Yankees. Right. And I'm like, <laughs> everyone winds up playing for the Yankees. It'll hurt me more if I see either Bo or Vlad, a guy that I saw come up with the Jays. Yes. play for the Yankees. Donaldson's a bit different because he was a trade and he, he came when he was already a bit older, so it wasn't quite the same. Like, if I saw Jose Bautista play for the Yankees, that would fuck me up. <laughs> well, but... for the Blue Jays, we've talked about this before and the fact that they're owned by Rodgers and they have, like, infinite money, but they don't spend like they have infinite money. What's their, you know, historically, how do they handle extensions? Because Vlad and Bo, you can't imagine that they'd ever get to see free agency unless the Blue Jays just fucking messed that up badly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So uh, the Jays have been, they've been reasonable about extending guys in the more recent years. They they used to have a rule where, a posi- they, this was back in the Paul Beeston days, they, they used to have a rule where position players didn't usually get more than five years and pitchers never got more than three years. So even like Roy Holiday, for example, he wouldn't get a deal beyond like a three-year deal. Vernon Wells got the huge contract. Um, it was like a eight-year deal it was the biggest deal in Blue Jays history for the longest time but they've surpassed that now with you know George Springer and now um, Gosman got a huge deal I mean Ryu's deal was even pretty big for four years Barrios got a huge deal the thing with Bo and Vlad that's a bit of a challenge is so when Wander Franco signed his contract everybody in Toronto was freaking out they're like why haven't the Jays done this with Bo and Vlad yet well the difference is is Wander Franco's dad didn't make a hundred million dollars playing baseball like these two guys did these two guys already have generational wealth. Right. So the thing for them is they don't need to lock in right now. They can wait. And if they have any interest in testing the free agent market, then there ain't a hell of a lot the Jays can do. I mean, I think they're going to... I think it'll be this offseason that they offer the two huge identical co- contracts to the two players. But, I mean, there's really just no guarantee here. I, I would imagine that they'll be able to get at least one of them. But 
it'd be a monumental failure if both of those two players leave in free agency. It would, <laughs> it would be, be crazy. Something Jays fans would never get over. We would never get over that. It would be embarrassing. It'd be like, <laughs> like, like the like the Expos lost all those guys. Vladdy right. Senior leaves for the Angels, and that was the nail in the coffin for the franchise. If the Jays lose fucking Vlad Junior in free agency, good lord. <laughs> <laughs> well, before I let you go, your <laughs> your Oilers are headed back to the postseason. Uh, so you must be happy. I mean, we haven't talked since last baseball season, but yeah, we'll we'll all. So they they've won a grand total of one playoff game in the past two years. They got knocked out in the bubble in 2020 by Chicago, who shouldn't even have been there. And then last year they got swept by the Jets. That was brutal. So this year it looks like they're going into a first round series against the L.A. Kings, who are extremely injured. Drew Doughty might not play again this year. If they can't get through that playoff series and give us what should be a battle of Alberta in the second round, because Calgary's in the first in the Pacific Division, then I will be livid. Because this is the year it should happen. It's right there. The, the, Cal- West, the West is so bad, though. Like, you oh, look yeah. at just the West, and, and you look it's at just the Colorado. East, you could, yeah, and you could make a case in the East, like, for the Rangers. I mean, they're probably going to play Pittsburgh in the first round. If they if they win the one seed in the Met, they're gonna have to play Tampa or Washington. Like that's not that's that's like you're getting fucked over as the one oh, yeah. seed. So, and you have Boston, t- Toronto, Florida. Any I think any of the eight teams in the East, we've sort of known for months now who's going to the postseason uh-huh. in the East. But it seems like anyone in the East could win the East. It seems like that anyone could come out of the East and you'd not be surprised. Whereas the West, it's like <laughs> if Colorado doesn't come out of the West, holy shit. It'd be shocking. It really would. I think, uh, as much as it pains me to say this, I think Calgary could probably uh, knock off Colorado because Jacob Markstrom's so good. I think the Oilers might actually be able to surprise if one of their two goalies gets hot just because you have that top-level talent. And if, like, like Mike Smith throughout his career has been inexplicably good in the playoffs outside of that one game in the bubble where he got shelled, but he's got, like, the third-highest um, playoff save percentage of all time. So if he goes on one of his runs, then, like, who knows? But... <laughs> The East is a lot better than the West. There's no doubt about that. I think Washington's kind of a weak playoff team. They're the only one that's weak. The rest of the teams, all seven of them are good. Like, right. I think I think it goes like Colorado's number one, seven Eastern Conference teams, and then the next best Western Conference team. <laughs> like, that's how it is. For Canada, since all you've got are the Blue Jays, so it's it's like you have the seven hockey teams, then you have the Blue Jays. So is it like everyone's a Blue Jays fan and then everyone hates each other's hockey team? It's like kind <laughs> yeah. of weird, right? Well, some people will, uh, every once in a while when a Canadian team goes on a run, like, we'll jump on board. There was a few years ago, Ottawa went on a little run. People were like, yeah, the Sens, why not? But when the Canucks went to the final, no. Nobody was on board with that. If the Leafs go to the final, no. No one's cheering for that. Are people in Vancouver Blue Jays fans? Because it's so far away, but it's the same country. But it's like, you're just as far as, you know, LA to New York. So it's, it's kind of weird. For the most part, yeah. It's um, A lot of it has to do with the fact that Rogers does a good job of just pumping the Jays out all over the place because they own our big sports channel, which is Sportsnet, and the Jays games are on every single day all across the country no matter what. This wasn't necessarily the case 10, 15 years ago. Like I'm from out west in Alberta, and we'd get a lot of Minnesota Twins games. People out in the Pacific Zone would get a lot of Mariners games, so stuff like that, but now they really like, they guarantee everyone in Canada watches the Blue Jays, and it's, I think since the team got good, since their two playoff runs in 15 and 16, there's been a lot more interest, but we used to have a lot more fans of random teams. There was also a lot of Expos fans, too. People were, I think people across Canada had an easier time getting on board with a Montreal team than they did a Toronto team, because yeah. Toronto is very disliked across Canada. 
just as really? a city. Yeah. So it's the, only from... tr- it's the only Canadian city I've been to. I like I like Toronto. <laughs> I love Toronto, of course. Like I, I I live here. I think it's fantastic. But there's a there's a rivalry between <laughs> Canadians not right. from Toronto and Torontonians. It's it's definitely a thing. That's funny. One of the things I, I always want to do is get. I've never obviously been to Western Canada, but go to a Battle of Alberta game and. Um, yeah, I think that would, I mean, you've obviously been, so it's, 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 you know, the kind of, you know, I don't want to say it's Yankees, Red Sox, cause I feel like everyone would say that's more like Bruins, Canadians, but it's basically Yankees, Red Sox of Western Canada, right? It's the same, it's the same energy. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, people from Edmonton and Calgary do not like each other at all. Like there's, there's, yeah. there's so much heat in that and you know any Edmonton Calgary game you get some of those games just go absolutely wild like there was I remember those ones in like 2019-20 when there was goalie fights and brawls and stuff like that like the the energy really got I think it was it was the uh introduction of Matthew to Chuck on the Flames that really got things going he's such a shit yeah so I'm guessing you're not a Matthew Kachuk or Johnny Gaudreau guy I, I respect I respect Matthew to Chuck I really do I I cannot stand watching him when he plays the Oilers but when I tune into another random game and I see him get under somebody's skin I'm like oh fuck I would love if this guy was yeah. on my team but he's God, one of those guys oh, everyone hates yeah. but everyone loves him when like he's the biggest fan favorite for his own team but the guy everyone hates <laughs> oh totally he's insufferable when when you're watching him but you're just like oh man I wish this guy was on my team that'd be sick <laughs> all right Cam well big series here basically a postseason series in april because of how important head-to-head is with no more tiebreaker games at the end of the season um hopefully we get like three maybe four yankees wins and uh yeah. you know keep this thing moving don't like that I, i'm hoping we get i hope we get a blue jays sweep <laughs> i think the last time the blue jays were in the bronx they pulled off a three or four game sweep yeah last yeah, september yeah. Gamer. yeah so so yeah. we don't need that <laughs> we'll see all right kid thanks for coming on all right thanks again to cam for taking the time to come on and talk blue jays this is a big fucking week. You can hear it in his voice that he's nervous as a Blue Jays fan, but they've already got a win under their belt. I'm nervous as a Yankees fan because they can't beat the Blue Jays at home. They can't score. They leave everyone on base. The managers had two good games, and he's back to being a fucking idiot. So <laughs> this is a scary week here. Very, very scary week. The Yankees need to turn it around here. All the Blue Jays have to do is win one of the three to have done their job in the Bronx and take at least two. The Yankees have to now take two out of three to not fuck themselves going forward with the head-to-head record against the Blue Jays. So that'll do it for today. Yankees, Blue Jays again on Tuesday. I'll be back after the game to talk about it. Thanks for listening. Talk to you after the game.